to Romans chapter 1. Just remain standing for a few brief moments. I want to speak to you on the part 2 of what I spoke this past Sunday. And if you weren't here, you can go back onto our Facebook or YouTube, anywhere there on the social media, and you can find it, listen to it, get it in your spirit. Romans Road, and I spoke part one. This is part two. And prayerfully, this will help you in understanding even your salvation. And some of you who are even on the cliff or the cusp or the end of what you feel you might think of your salvation. And I believe that this is going to be very beneficial. This might even kind of correct the path on some of you that are going in circles in a salvation. You just have a revolving door of emotion. You come to church. I feel great. You leave church. I just want to cuss everybody out. You come to church. I feel so holy. And then you leave the church. I'm so angry. You just have this whirlwind of emotion. Like, wait a second. Am I saved? Am I not saved? How do I know? Is this? And so we're going to kind of correct that. And make sure, hey, let's, let's understand what did the Apostle Paul talk about when it came to the book of Romans. And you're going to see that the Romans are very close to, I believe, Californians. You're going to see what I'm talking about in just a little bit. Romans chapter 1, verse 16. If you have it, say, mm-hmm. It says, I am not ashamed of the gospel. Because it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. First to the Jew and then to the Californian. First to the Jew and then to the Bay Area. First to the Jew and then to the heart of the Bay. Before you're seated, shake your neighbor's hand and tell him, I ain't ashamed. How about you? Then you may be seated. Now, if you were here on Sunday, I don't have time to go over the whole message, but really quickly, if you were here on Sunday, then I just want to remind you, review with you really quick uh, when it came to the Romans Road and what we talked about and how we were getting this in our spirit when it came to salvation and what the Apostle Paul was talking about. Now, you have to get this in your spirit to understand when it comes to your salvation. And for those of you that have been saved, but you haven't gotten somebody saved in a while, you really need to get back on this path. Maybe some of you got off this path and say, I'm going to make my own path. I want a mansion. And you forgot that there's a mansion in the sky waiting for you. But you're so focused on this mansion that while you're trying to get to this mansion, everything else is breaking down while you're trying to get there. Say, why is this happening? Well, you got to be able to put everything within perspective of what God is doing. Because you got to realize, number one, is that everybody is short. Tell your neighbor, you are short. So step one is you are short. All have sinned and fallen short. So step one is you are short. Step two is that sin earns death, but Christ is a gift. Somebody say a gift. Now, in this message, if you were there on Sunday, you understand that I gave a gift to somebody, and there is no gift today. Amen. So there's no cheesecake. Sorry. Not in this message. You should have been here on Sunday. But sin earns death, but Christ is a, Christ is a, Christ is a, step three is that it's all about love. Matter of fact, the Bible says in the book of 
John and 1 John that God is love. That's what it's all about. God is love. As a matter of fact, even when you read uh, in the book of Romans, it says when you get love, love authentically. Don't be pretend. Don't love pretend. God didn't love you fake, so don't love fake to someone else. Be real. Can I hear an amen? Then also, when it comes to your salvation, you must confess and believe. Come on. Confess and believe. So you got to know this. Some of you guys are like, I forgot. Don't forget this. You have to remember this. So step three is that it's all about, it's all about Christ is a, you are, you're short. So you must confess and and that Christ is for, Christ is for everyone. It's not just for a few people. Christ is for everyone. So on Sunday, I use the analogy of breaking it in. Tonight, I want to break it down. And we're going to break it down a little bit. Now, this is the thing about it. I know it's going to sound like I'm that teacher that's giving you the notes for a test that you think is going to be irrelevant to your life. Now, when you go to school, when you, or when you went to school, some of you, if you remembered school, sometimes the most boring part of school was when your teacher was saying things, and you're like, I don't understand what in the world she's saying. I'm going to zone out. I'm going to doodle. I'm going to make the most prettiest unicorn on this paper that I've ever made. And, and the teacher's over there just giving you the nose of it, and all of a sudden, come time for the test, what was that? I wasn't paying attention. So it might seem like that a little bit because I have to put my teacher hat on. And I understand that sometimes when I put my teacher hat on that a lot of folks go, man, I don't want to be a student right now. I don't want to be a pupil. Pastor, fire me up. Well, keep coming to church. There's some times where I'll fire you up. But there's also sometimes like today, I got to break it down. Because if I don't break it down, you are always going to be drinking milk. And that's not good. I have to give you meat. It's very important that you get meat. Look at your neighbor and say, you need meat. So after service, you can get that meat from my wife. But right now, you, get, you need to get some meat from your dad. I got to give you some meat. You have to have this. It's very important. We're going to break it down. Look at your neighbor and say, break it down. Okay, we're going to say this one more time. Tell your neighbor, break it down. Okay, we're going to break this down. Really quickly, there's a few main themes to the book of Romans. There's a few main themes to the book of Romans. One is sin. Somebody say sin. Somebody say sin. All throughout the book of Romans, you will read many chapters that have to deal with sin. And also, how to deal with sin. We talked about it on Sunday, about how sin is like an archer that is shooting their shot, but it's missing the mark. You're always going to be short. That's what sin is. Because God's law is a perfect moral law. It's perfect. God's great. Everything is perfect. So if you try to keep going after it, you're going to fall short. No matter how hard you try, you're going to fall short. You have to keep all, I believe it's 613 laws in order for you to be perfect. Got to keep them all, all day, every day, mind pure, heart pure, hands pure, everything pure. You cannot break one law. Now, let me ask you this. How many of you, before you even came into this building, might have broke one or two laws? Raise your hand. 
Okay. If you didn't raise your hand, you broke a law. You already broke a law. Because you lied. You're a liar. Liar, liar, pants on. So lying gets your pants on fire. But truth will keep your heart on fire. And if you understand this, the Bible says the truth will set you. And there's freedom in that. And so tonight, that's what I want to make sure that you understand. The book of Romans is going to teach you about how to set you free. So it deals with sin. Also, it deals with salvation. Our sin points out our need to be forgiven and to be cleansed. Understanding that we don't deserve it, but God in his kindness reach out to love and forgive us. He provides the way for us to be saved. Christ's death paid the penalty for our sin. Can I hear an amen? Another theme that the book of Romans talks about is a theme or a topic of growth. Somebody say growth. Because by God's power, believers are sanctified and made holy. Did you know something? That you are holy. You have been made holy. Can I hear an amen? See, that's growth. You're growing. You're getting away. You're stepping away from the things of this world, from the enemy's uh, entrapments, from the enemy's uh, temptations. And you're saying, God, I want less of the world and I want more of you. I'm growing in holiness. You're growing. Somebody say, I'm growing. Look at your neighbor. Tell him you're growing. Another theme you're going to see is sovereignty. Sovereignty. This means that God oversees and cares about his people's past, present, and even the future. God's ways of dealing with people are always just and fair. Listen to me. You've got to catch this theme. This is very important. This is going to help many of you that have, a, that have trouble with anxiety. If you have trouble with oppression and depression and anxiety and worry, when you understand God's sovereignty, you're free. Because you understand that God is just. He's fair. In other words, you're not the one that has to dish out the penalty for them breaking the law. God knows they broke the law, but you don't have to worry about it. God's sovereign. God's got this. God is sovereign. I love that part. I want that to sink into you right there. That's going to help. Some of you right now, your anxiety is leaving just realizing God is sovereign. Just realizing God is sovereign. What am I tripping for? Why am I going through these hedges? I don't need that. God is sovereign. And the fifth one, and the last one, is service. When our purpose is to give credit to God for his love, power, and perfection, and all we do, we can serve him properly. See, serving him unifies all the believers and enables us to show love and sensitivity to others. I love serving. Don't you love serving? I love serving unto the Lord. Now, this is the great thing about it. When you serve your neighbor, it is as if you're serving the Lord. When you serve your neighbor, it is as if you are serving the Lord. You got to understand that. The book of Romans, is, it, when, when the apostle Paul talks about it, all throughout of it, he talks about that once you are saved and you're sanctified, you must put it to action and be of service. Be a person who serves. Not just somebody who comes and says, okay, somebody feed me. But no, I want to be of service. How can I be of service? Once you get saved, you should get sanctified and be of service. Now, the book of Romans was written by the Apostle Paul 
in or around A.D. 57. Now the Apostle Paul, before coming to the faith in Christ, was driven out, was driven to seek out those who called themselves Christians in order to bring them to trial. Now Christianity at this time in Rome was against the law. Now I'm saying this because you've got to understand the whole perspective. Right now where we are going within, I believe, even California before even the rest of the country, certain things little by little by little by little by little are becoming against the law. Just little by little, it's starting to happen. Pretty soon, it's going to be against the law to proclaim the name of Jesus. Now, you're seeing steps of that right now, right? Watch the news, you're hearing about it. So you're seeing steps. Rome is the full-blown steps to Christianity being illegal. You understand that? It's the full-blown steps. It's all the way there. Christianity is illegal. Now, at the times with the Christians, he sought out the, uh, the Apostle Paul. He wasn't an apostle yet. He was just saw. And you will find that many of the Christians that he sought out did not make it back even to be tried. Rather, they had their lives taken from them by some of the means. One of the means was stoning. A way of stoning them is what they would do is they would take these believers, these people of the way, and they would take them and they would find them and they would line them up and they would walk them through the city. They would walk them through the towns. They would walk them through the villages and they would tell them, these are the people of the way. Then people would come out of their house, they would take these big stones and they would drop it on their heads. And they would say, you want to believe in Christ? Well, we're going to stone you for it. See, some of you get mad when people say, they're talking about me, they're throwing stones at me. Rome, at that time, they were actually throwing stones at them. They were really trying to hurt them, really trying to kill them. Paul, or I should say Saul, was personally responsible for the death of many Christians when you read it throughout the scriptures. The Bible doesn't say that he was actually the one who did it with his hands, but it does say that he was present at the time of many Christians' death. So what we're seeing here is that being a Christian at this time was not easy. So what changed Paul? What possibly could change a person from being at one point of his life to being so hateful of one group of people to then living his life without any fear for his own life in order to help those same people? You know what it was? He found faith. Somebody say faith. Somebody say faith. I kind of parallel. There's a, a guy right now in our society in America who made a movie, he made this movie some years ago. Some of you may know the name, some of you may not. I truly believe if this guy gets saved and gets touched, he can be an Apostle Paul type of example. I really do. Now, I'm going to say his name, and some of you right away, maybe you have a certain view of him, may not. I really believe that God's going to speak to this guy because this guy's smart. He's very smart. He's very quick. He knows his stuff, much like Saul. Saul was a Pharisee. There's a man by the name of Bill Maher. You guys know who that is? He started out as a comedian, went into politics. Now he's a big-time political agenda guy. And he's very, very liberal. He's very liberal. And he comes against all religions. He even says that because they say, oh, you hate Christianity. And this is out of his own words. He goes, I just don't hate Christianity. I hate all religions. 
That's what he says. I hate all religions. I hate them all the same. They're all dumb. They're all stupid. They all make no sense. So when I hear Bill Maher speak, that I kind of attribute or I try to put it together as Saul. Saul was just like that. Saul was doing everything that he could to get rid of organized religion. He hated it. He would come against it, and he would make sure that people would die for that. So then all of a sudden, this same guy who wants everybody gone from that belief switches around and becomes a part of them. How in the world did that happen? How could you go from wanting everybody in that belief and that thought to be extinct to all of, a, all of a sudden saying, don't be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ? Something happened. You know what happened? Faith. Somebody say faith. See, Paul's conversion to Christianity started for him from day one on the road to a city called Damascus. Somebody say Damascus. See, Paul's birth name was Saul, but translated in the Greek then becomes Paul. Saul was going to do what he did best, and what he did best back then all of a sudden became best now, and that was to find Christians. First, he wanted to find Christians to kill them. Now he wanted to find Christians to encourage them. You see that? Oh, man, that, that to me, that was exciting. That's a true conversion. When somebody can all of a sudden say, you know what? I hate you. I can't stand you. I hope you die. I don't want anything. I want nothing to do with you. You need to get out of here. I hope they wipe you off the face of the earth. To all of a sudden going, oh, my gosh. God's got a plan for your life. God can do something miraculous with you. Like, wait a second, hold on. Weren't you just telling me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what I was, but now you should find out who God is. Totally just changed his life. And that's where the book of Romans comes into play. See, Saul was traveling on the road to Damascus with some other men when Jesus came to him and confronted him and said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Jesus then blinded Saul and sent him on to Damascus in search of a man named Ananias. Now, Jesus came to Ananias in a vision and told him about Saul coming to Damascus. When Ananias heard the stories about Saul and was fearful, but then Jesus told Ananias to go to him, for he is a vessel of mine. So Saul, or excuse me, Ananias went to Saul, laid hands on him, and said this. It says this. It says, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road has come, has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says his sight was restored and he rose and he got baptized. Now from that point on, Saul was given a new heart. Now nothing could keep Paul from preaching the gospel. Matter of fact, in 2 Corinthians, it says, Five times I received from the Jews 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods and I was stoned. The same thing that he was doing to others started happening to him. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I have been constantly on the move. I have been in danger from rivers and in danger from bandits, in danger from my own countrymen, and in danger from Gentiles, and in danger from the city, in danger from the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false brothers. Now, why am I saying all this? I'm saying all this because you got to remember, before he got converted, before he got saved, he Probably, the Bible doesn't say this, but more than likely, because I've learned as I read the scriptures, you always reap what you sow, even when you get saved. Right? If you do drugs when you're without Christ, the effects still follow you, even in your body. You can get healed, but you reap what you sow. 
So find, we find here the Apostle Paul having all this stuff happen to him. So more than likely what could have happened, all this stuff he might have did to Christians before he got saved. Now all of a sudden he's reaping what he sowed. But this is the thing. Now he's happy about it. I've been shipwrecked. They stoned me. I was in danger. It was so awesome. Because his conversion just changed everything. He understood who God was within his life. See, when you understand who God is within your life, it changes everything. See, some of you right now might be going through it and say, man, man, pastor, why am I going through this? Why am I feeling? You need to understand who God is in your life. That he's not just a somebody that you only can tap into when you come to a building with lights and a microphone and a man preaching. That's not the only time you can tap into Christ. You can tap into Christ anywhere at any time. That you can have your road to Damascus and then all of a sudden God does something in your life and it changes everything. Why? Because of faith. Somebody say faith. Somebody say faith. See, Paul, even after all this torment and hardship, he never failed to have faith in Christ and never once, for once thought to himself that it was time to give up or that he was doing something that wasn't even worth the effort. See, Christ is always worth the effort. This is what Paul was even saying by sharing his life and what he began to say. In Paul's letter to the Romans, he makes one point very clear. He says, before we come to faith in Christ and his sacrifice, we are dead in our sins. We are spiritual corpses. Our bodies might be carrying on, but our spirits have no life in them. We do not function in any way that God intended for us. We should be filled with love, joy, and kindness, but in many cases, we are not. But when we accept Christ's sacrifice for our sins and put our faith in his goodness, rather than any of our own, we become alive. The Spirit breathes life. Can I hear an amen? Can I hear an amen? See, others will see a change in us, and in seeing this, the hope that is that others will seek out who God is within us and who God is in them. Now, these Roman Christians, somebody say Roman Christians, now, it is thought that this church in Rome started by a group of Jewish converts. It started with a group of men and women who heard about Jesus and on their own began to gather together and begin to follow the ways of this man that they heard about. This man that they had never met, but they heard about. Let me ask you this. How many of you think Michael Jordan is one of the greatest, if not the greatest, basketball player of all time? Raise your hand. One of the greatest. Okay. Out of those of you that have raised your hand, how many of you have ever met Michael Jordan? Nobody. Right? So how do you know that? How do you know? There's a few things, right? You saw it on TV, right? But also, you know another way that you think he's the greatest? You're taking other people's word for it. You're taking other people's word for it. Oh, he's the great. Well, that's what that guy said, so I believe him. Therefore, he must be the greatest. Some of you, you raised your hand. You've never even watched a single game of basketball before. He's the, I know he's the greatest because I have his logo right here on my shirt. 
He's got to be, right? I mean, it just makes sense. Never saw a basketball game. But the reason why is because somebody told you that. Somebody told you. He's the greatest. Well, that's how the church in Rome started. Jesus is the greatest. Okay, he's the greatest. That's what they heard. And they followed that way. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. I believe it. And so the church in Rome started with a group of people that just began to believe and they seen things happen. Now, all of a sudden, the Apostle Paul sends instructions about what to do. And this is where we get the book of Romans. Why did Paul write this letter to the Christians in Rome? He gives us the reason right away. In Romans chapter 1, he gives one of the first reasons. He says, for do not be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm letting you know this right off the bat. People are going to come against you. People are going to talk about you. People are going to say Jesus is not the greatest. People are going to say he's not the best. But I'm telling you, don't be ashamed. Proclaim his name above all other names. I know it may not be popular. I know others may not be talking about it. But I'm telling you, believe me. I know what I'm talking about. I've been beaten. I've been shipwrecked. I've been messed. All this stuff. I would have never let all this stuff happen to me if I didn't believe it. So because I believe it, I'm instructing you. I'm telling you, you can do it. That's where we get the book of Romans from. But the apostle Paul saying, I've been through all this, but I'm telling you, there's some greatness to it. See, the gospel is the power of God for salvation for everyone who believes he wanted the church in Rome to be strong and the gospel not to be ashamed of it not to hide it but to put it out in front of themselves and live it live it because the power of God is for the salvation of everyone who believes even in Romans chapter 1 verse 17 the next verse over it says for the gospel re reveals the righteousness of God that comes by faith from start to finish just as it is written the righteous will live by faith the, the righteous will live by faith see my friend the gospel is the power of God for righteousness and for salvation for everyone who believes See, my friend, what Paul is trying to tell them, and he's even trying to tell us that in this letter, that the gospel message holds the key to our salvation. Because this is the key, this is called the good news. It's the good news. Now, the other day, we were doing our best. We had gotten a door locked uh, right here on campus, the bathroom door. We tried everything. We were doing everything. We were trying this. We were trying that. We tried this. We tried that. We tried this key. We tried that key. I even put my, there was a small crack in the window. I even put my daughter through that window. She was the only one who could fit in that little window. It was real small. I said, Lulu, get up in there. Maybe we'll try on the inside. Maybe it's the other side. She got in. She went down. She dropped down. And I said, okay, open it up. Even from the other side, she couldn't do it. Oh my gosh, this door will not open. What do we do? So right away, I was like, oh man, we're going to have to call a locksmith. I don't know how much this is going to cost. So all this stuff starts going through your head. Has anybody ever had a door like that happen to you? Like you just couldn't open it. You lost your keys. What am I going to do? What's going on? And so all this stuff starts going through your head. Like, oh my gosh. And so I was at the door. She was on the other side. I go, oh my gosh, my daughter's locked in there. Love you. 
but I gotta, like, I gotta go get this door open. What am I gonna do? How am I? So I start walking away, and as I'm walking away, I'm getting on the phone. I'm like, man, I gotta call a locksmith. Here we go. And I'm getting on the phone, and right away, somebody goes, "Wait, Pastor, I got it." And I turned around, and as soon as I turned around, I just kind of felt like this. You ever had that feeling like, I found the keys. He's like, every every plan that I thought I had, I was going to do, that I was going to do this, and then I had to pay for this. All of that just vanished, and I just went, everything like, now, what they, actually, what they did was she opened it on this side and opened it on that side at the same time. That's how, that's how they figured it out. Let's do it together. So rather than you try to open it by yourself and me trying to open it by myself on this side, let's just try it together. And so they opened it together, and all of a sudden, the door opened, and like everybody was like, That's what Paul was expressing to the Romans. This is the good news. And if you get it, you're going to go, ah, now I get all my worries, all the stuff that I was worried about, that I was trying to focus on, that I thought I had to make happen, that I had to do this. All of a sudden, Christ is the gift, and he's free. Ah, it's the greatest feeling in the world when Jesus is in control, can I hear an amen? Come on, can I hear an amen? Come on, give the Lord a hand of praise. See, the good news is Christ and what he's done for us. Matter of fact, you don't even have to do anything. All you have to do is accept it. Tell your neighbor, just accept it. See, the good news is if you believe and you have faith in it, then Christ has prepared a home for you in heaven. Remember this. And I'm getting ready to close right here. Remember, what we believe determines how we behave. And both determine what we become. I'm going to say this one more time. What we believe determines how we behave. And both determine what we become. In other words, if you believe the truth, then the truth is going to set you free. If you believe the truth, it's going to sanctify you. If you believe the truth, you're going to have freedom. However, if you believe the lie, then you're going to start becoming the lie. So I'm going to say that one more time. What we believe determines how we behave. And both determine what we become. See, my friend, it's a fundamental principle that we will become like the God that we worship. If you believe in a holy God, then guess what? You're going to become holy. God, I want to be more like Jesus. I, I want to be more like, I want to become like him. So if how you, what you believe and how you behave is going to determine what you become, then my friend, my question is to you, what God are you worshiping? What God are you worshiping? Because if you're worshiping yourself, you're going to become and stay like yourself. And that's where you get on that cycle. You say, man, how come I can't get off of this cycle? 
How come I can't? Because you're constantly worshiping and going over yourself. Everything is all about you. Everything is all about me. Well, you don't know what I'm going through. You don't know what I'm feeling. You don't understand. You don't know. You do. My situation is specific to me. And the crazy thing about it is that, yeah, the, the situation may be specific to you, but the freedom doesn't rely in you. It relies on God, and it's up to you to get off of that cycle, or for those of you that were in our marriage class before, get off of the crazy cycle, because in marriage there is called a crazy cycle, and you got to get off that cycle. Some of you are singles, you're on your own crazy cycle, you need to get off your own crazy cycle. You got to get off the cycle and say, you know what? I don't want to take this anymore. I don't have to have this anxiety. I don't have to have this oppression. I don't have to have this worry. God, you can take it. Take all of this stuff away. Take away all this worry. God, I'm going to cast all my cares under you because you care for me. And God, I have found freedom in you. All those that call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. All of you, everybody, every single person that calls upon the name of the Lord, you're going to be saved. Saved and sanctified by the gift of Jesus Christ. See, my friend, I want to encourage you here this evening. One thing that you're going to be able to do, that I want to encourage you to do if you haven't already, you need to start a time of devotion of prayer. You got to start this time of prayer. It's going to be very beneficial to you understanding what sin is and what sin isn't. This is very important. Because if you go by the moral code or the moral standard of this world of what sin is, then my friend, you're going to be taken for a wild ride. A very wild ride. In just a few generations, it's not going to be looked down upon bad at all for anybody to have an abortion. Matter of fact, it's going to be regular. It's going to be regular. I was watching a video of this one girl, and when she found out that Donald Trump was going to become president, now this was crazy. When she said this, I go, man, I said, you're giving too much power to a man who hasn't even become president yet. Don't be doing that. Whether you like him or not, don't do that. What she did, this is what she said, and it struck me. It may not strike you, but it struck me. They, Donald Trump just became president. He just became president. And the next day, this girl's on a TV show, and she goes, oh, my gosh, our world is in decay. Our world is going to be upside down. Ladies, if you can, get your abortions now because you're never going to get them anymore. And I went, wait, <laughs> hold on. Wait, time out. What did you just say? Like, did you just say what I think you just said? Now, See, for us right now, we're like, whoa, that's crazy. And a few more generations, that's going to be perfect regular talk. Regular talk. Because of the decay that continues on from one generation to the next. This is why the Apostle Paul wrote the book of Romans to say, listen, I understand you're in a world of decay, but I want to encourage you, continue to pray, continue to fast, because God has got you. You don't have to worry about what the Romans are doing. You don't have to worry about what Caesar is doing. You don't have to worry about what the president is doing. You don't have to worry about what Congress is doing. All you have to know is that God saved you. God's changed you. God is sovereign. He knows exactly what you're going through, and he is right there with you no matter what you're going through keep on being a man or a woman of the way 
You can do it. Don't be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Don't be ashamed to speak up. Don't be ashamed to say that God is your savior. Listen, some of you right now, you're still flirting with the world. You got to stop flirting with the world. Stop flirting with them. Well, maybe one day they might take me back. So I'm going to keep coming to church. But if church doesn't work out, I'm ready to go right back to partying. You need to stop flirting. Stop flirting. And be not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Don't be ashamed. Don't be a person that comes to church and says, man, I love it when I come here. I feel good here. But when you go out there, all of a sudden Rome has overtaken you. Rome has overtaken you. Now, for those of you that say, well, pastor, what's the political view? If you want to know my political view, I listen, listen to the message I spoke just a couple of weeks ago. I spoke it about politics and God's kingdom. And it's the same thing that happened right here. The apostle Paul, when he, he was in Rome. He understood. As a matter of fact, he was part Roman citizenship. He had that. So he can go as a Roman. He can also go as a Jew. He, understand, he understood both. He can go dual citizenship, right? He can go in and go out. It's the same thing. And so Paul understood this. And so Paul says, listen, I know what it's like to be in there. But if God can still use me, he can use you. Some of you right now, you may be thinking, man, nobody understands. No, no, no. God understands. He knows exactly. That's why he set a letter to Rome. In this case, he set a letter from Victory Average Heart just for you to tell you, hey, keep going. You can do it. Don't be ashamed. The righteousness of God will set you free. You're going to see it. You're going to experience freedom in Christ. Just keep going. Stop the flirting and keep on going. Stop going in, going out, and just keep going with God. You're going to experience freedom like you've never experienced before in your life. Some of you right now, if there's anything that you understand and you get right now just from the beginning of the book of Romans, is just keep going. Or in the words of Finding Nemo, just keep swimming. Just keep swimming. Oh, but pastor, it's hard. You don't know. There's sharks all around. Just keep swimming. But pastor, you don't understand, man. I'm going through. I got thunderstorms. Just keep swimming. Just keep going. Just keep on walking. Yeah, but pastor, they're throwing stones at me. Don't worry about it. They stone me too. Just keep going. But pastor, I feel like I'm being shipwrecked. Don't worry about it. I've been shipwrecked. I've been there. Just keep going. But pastor, they're lashing at me. They're been, don't worry about it. I've been last 40 minus 1. I've been there too. Just keep going. Matter of fact, even as the Apostle Paul was talking, it's funny because you? I don't know if I've ever shared this with you. She can come to the piano. Did you know that uh, I got hit? Remember that? I got hit. They socked me in the face in London when I was passing out flyers. We were there, right? I, that's right. You were there. I don't know how many else were there, but I was passing out flyers. We were out there. I was young, too. I was only like, I think, 14 or 15, 15 years old. It's like, yeah, Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. And this guy was drunk out of his mind, and he was looking at me, bloodshot eyes, just staring at me, drool coming down his face, looking at me. I go, Jesus loves you. And I turn around and I'm walking away and he grabs my hood and I just seen his fist go, whack, sock me right in the eye. Went, Whoa! Now think about it. Just think about it for a quick second. If somebody were to come to you and just sock you in your face for no reason. Many of you are, how dare you? Dare you do that? Do you know who I am? 
Don't bring out the old me. Oh, because that old me. Oh, no. Oh, no. See, all throughout the book of Romans, Paul understands who he's talking to. He understands that you're not just being beat up spiritually, but beat up physically. Being tortured. The, the Christians were being tortured. These guys are being tortured. And he told them, hey, it's okay. You can do it. Keep going. They're going to mess with you. They're going to say things about you. They're going to get you fired from your job. They're going to spread lies about you, spread gossip about you. They're going to hate on you. But keep going. <sighs> but you don't know my boss. Well, I may not know your boss, but I know who his boss is. And I know who's in control. I know you may be going through it. I know you may be feeling it. But I'm telling you, be encouraged. You can make it. You can do it. Everybody falls short. Everybody messes up. Listen, some of you may be here tonight and say, Pastor, I just barely made it here. I don't even know if I'm saved. Listen to me. All have fallen short of the glory of God. Everybody, there's nobody in this place that's more perfect than somebody else. That's what he's saying. That's what the Apostle Paul saying. There's nobody, nobody, nobody in this room is more perfect than someone else. You need to get that in, in, in your head. You need to get that and drop it from your head into your spirit. Don't let the devil lie to you and mess with you and tell you you don't have it all together. You made a mistake yesterday. You made a mistake. Some of you, the enemy still lying to you about your mistake from two years ago. You need the truth that will set you free. It's not saying that didn't happen. It's just saying that God took it and threw it into a sea of... I forgot. I forgot. It happened, but it's gone. I, I forgot. I don't even know. I don't know what happened. I have no idea. All I know is you got a purpose and you got a destiny right now. That's what you've got. Now that you got a purpose and a destiny, don't be ashamed of it. Don't be ashamed. Don't be a person that says, but I messed up. I, no, 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 no. We all fall short. Don't do that. Don't do that. Everybody's short. Everybody's messed up. Everybody who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So for those of you that are here tonight that you've been questioning, you've been saying, man, I don't know. Man, because pastor, I make mistakes. I've been doing this. I've been doing that. I don't know. How do, how, do I really know? Is this really me? Is this Listen, the apostle Paul understood it. Your pastor understands it. Your pastor knows, man, I need God's grace and mercy every day. Every day. But also every day I get to thank him for his grace and mercy. I get to wake up every morning. You know, that's the first part of my prayer. It's been the first part of my prayer for the past 27 years that I've been praying. I just say, Lord, I want to thank you. Sometimes even when I'm going through it, and I don't even know what I'm thanking him for, I just say it anyways. I'm like, man, just thank you. Thank you for what? I'm breathing. Thank you for that. I'm just, I'm breathing. I'm alive. Thank you. But then as I say it even more, I go, oh, no thank you this is no really thank you thank you for the air i breathe thank you for the wife i have the kids that i have thank man thank you i'm alive breathe I'm doing good you, you want to use me someone like me i'm all messed up why use me thank you lord i want to challenge you here tonight it's victory outreach heart of the bay don't be ashamed don't be ashamed don't let your past win your past is gone 
It's over with. That doesn't have the victory. Right here, right now, God has a purpose and a plan for you and your future. And don't be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want every head bowed.